Hey everyone, it's Pastor Brandon here, and I'm so excited to do the intro for this new series I'm going to be doing. It's going to be 14 weeks, and each week we're going to discuss one of the 14 declarations of faith of the Church of God denomination. Because we here at North Point, we're a part of the Church of God denomination, and it's a great thing, and we have great theology and great beliefs that we really ascribe to, and as a body, I think it's important to know what we're a part of. So I just want to break down these 14 declarations of faith, these pillars of beliefs we as a denomination have, theology that we believe, and so these next 14 weeks, I'm really excited to break them down with you, and this is declaration one with a little bit of an intro, so let's get into it. Hey guys, it's Pastor Brandon here. I'm the associate pastor slash youth pastor here in North Point. And these past few weeks, I've really been just thinking about the importance of knowing what we believe, really cementing our faith and and having good theology because there's so much bad theology out there. There's so much teaching that goes against the Bible. And the only way to be strong in what we believe is knowing good theology, right? Is reading the Bible, knowing what the Bible says, and being secure in what the Bible says on our beliefs in it. And we here in North Point, we're a part of the Church of God denomination, which I really think is a great denomination. You know, there's there's tons of great denominations out there, and I know people argue the merits of non-denominational versus denomination, but the fact is, we at North Point, we're a part of, of this denomination. And I think it's exciting because we have backing, we have a higher structure that we answer to and that supports us and that mentors us. And the cool thing is, you may not have known about me and Pastor, but the ARP bloodline, I guess, a way to word it, we've been a part of the Church of God denomination for a really long time. My great, great grandfather, I believe. I think there's only two greats in that one. He was a Church of God pastor and a really educated one and a really faithful one who's done some amazing things. And then my father and me, and I have tons of uncles who are a part of this denomination. It's like a family affair. And it's really awesome to have these roots. And I just I just thought it was important to break down these beliefs. I've done this teaching before in the youth on our 14 declarations of faith, and it went over well. It's been quite a while since I've done it, but I just thought it would be great to casually discuss them as a church. And I think before we get into our first declaration, because that's what this this first podcast is going to focus on, I wanted to break down some of the history behind the church of God, just a real light, you know, history, and also some other information that's important to go along with our denomination. So I think first it's important to understand what a denomination is, right? Uh, So a denomination, it's a religious subgroup within a religion that operates under a common name, tradition, and identity. It's really, it's, it's our family, right? It's, it's what we're a part of. It's, it's this group that we share an identity with. We share tradition with, we share beliefs with, and it's, it's a really great thing because who doesn't want to have a group of people you identify with, connect with, and just do life with, right? That's really what a church is. It's kind of a church of churches, so to speak. And we're a part of the Church of God denomination. And another thing that's important to define or a term to define is doctrine. 
When I say doctrine, what is doctrine? So doctrine is a particular principle, position, or policy that is taught or advocated for as a religion or religious government. Because our denomination, we have government in place. We have, you know, a structure in place. So here's a little bit of history, just real light. The Church of God was founded in 1886. It was founded upon the principles of Christ as they are revealed in the Bible, the Word of God. It has a foundation of faith and a practice in the Scriptures and the vital experience of its members is scripturally oriented. That means we seek scripture above all else, right? Scripture above feeling, that we focus and put all of our beliefs out of scripture. They have to be scripturally based. So there's a few terms that our denomination really associates with, and it, it's kind of broader terms, but... One of those is Christian, Protestant, Evangelical, Pentecostal, Charismatic, Evangelistic, and Organized. So those are a lot, but I'm going to break them each down. Now, we all kind of know what a Christian is, right? But first and foremost, the Church of God, we are a Christian church. We are a Christian denomination. We're built upon the personhood of Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. And all of our doctrines and practices of our denomination, of our church, are based upon Jesus' teaching. Now, secondly, is Protestant. It's a little less known of a word, right? So, Protestant is a member or follower of any of the Western Christian churches that are separate from the Roman Catholic Church. And they follow the principles of the Reformation. So this includes Baptist, Presbyterian, and Lutheran. Now the Church of God, we were founded upon the principles of Protestantism, but we don't actually follow one of its traditional or specific leaders of the Protestant Reformation. We don't specifically follow any of those leaders. But our denomination, it stands firmly for justification by faith, the priesthood of believers, the authority of the Bible, religious freedom, and we are also passionate about separation of church and state. So, evangelical, that kind of takes the scope down a little more. So, evangelical, it's a term used to describe those who affirm the primary doctrines revealed in the scriptures. These doctrines include the inspiration and authority of the Word of God, the Trinity, the deity of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, and salvation by faith in the atoning death of Christ. So, we also believe in his bodily resurrection the ascension to the right hand of the Father, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the second coming of Christ, and the spiritual unity of believers in Jesus Christ. And any evangelical church typically believes those things. But the church of God can be described as positioned in the mainstream of evangelical Protestantism, which brings us to another big word, not Protestantism, but one that starts with P, and that is Pentecostal. 
All right, so this big word, Pentecostal, which can scare some people. It's a scary word to a lot of people, but it's an empowering one and one we definitely identify with. So it all kind of goes back in 1896, many members of the Church of God experienced a spiritual outpouring, one, one unlike anything they've experienced before. It was huge and awesome. And it came with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, because it was so similar to the experience of the early Christians in Acts 1.8, or that first and second chapter, which happened on the day of Pentecost, it's come to be called a Pentecostal experience. Because of how it is referred to in the Bible as the day of Pentecost. Which is an enrichment of the Christian life through the power of the Holy Spirit that empowered believers to be an effective witness of Christ. And this principle distinctive of the Church of God as a Pentecostal organization is its belief in speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance, and that is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, that is actually one of our 14 declarations of faith, so we'll go into more detail on that later. But that is a big one, that speaking in tongues is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which means it is proof that you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, which is the proof that the disciples were on the day of Pentecost, right? They they started speaking in tongues, and that was the proof that the Holy Spirit came into them. But again, that's another discussion for another day. So another of those big words that the Church of God denomination kind of falls under is charismatic. So what it means to be charismatic, okay? So the gifts of the Spirit appeared early in the life and ministry of the Church of God. The gifts can be defied, divided into three categories. The gifts of revelation, the gifts of power, and the gifts of utterance or inspiration. The gifts of revelation are the gifts of words of wisdom, the words of knowledge and discerning of spirits. And then the gifts of power are faith, miracles, and the gifts of healing. And then the gifts of utterance and inspiration are prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. The Holy Spirit bestows these gifts, and those who accept it as valid are called charismatic. So any church that believes in the gifts of the Spirit and wants to see them operate, they fall under that umbrella of charismatic. Then after that, we have evangelistic. So this is probably one of the most well-known words or easiest to understand because we use it all the time, right? There's tons of churches who put a focus on evangelism, and we in the Church of God and at North Point are one of those churches, So from its inception, the Church of God has been a revival movement. Uh, Evangelism has been in the forefront of every activity we do. The Church has maintained an aggressive effort to take the message of Christ throughout the world by all means and methods possible. Every program we do, every class we teach, everything we do should reflect an evangelistic attitude, one of revivalism, 
and and everything we do should really have that focus of getting people saved, of bringing the message, of seeing spiritual revival and change. Be it conferences, worship services, teaching, preaching, missionary work, everything we do comes from that need of evangelism or that great commission, right? So we are charged with the great commission from Jesus himself, and we we find great importance in that charge. We want to see people saved. So lastly, we are organized. Now that means we have a government, and the church of God is centrally organized. So we have a centralized form of church government. So that means we have administration from international, state, or territorial, and local levels, and it helps facilitate the fulfillment of the mission of the church. Now, the control of the Church of God rests with the laity and our members who jointly form a governing body called the General Assembly, which actually meets biannually. So that's kind of all my intro out of there. That That is a glimpse into Church of God, how we were formed, what we associate with as a broad movement. But now I want to get into our first declaration of faith, and this is a really good one. So our first declaration of faith is the verbal inspiration of the Bible. Now the verse we use for this is 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, and that says, out of the New Living Translation, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So when used here, the word inspired, it actually means breathed by God. Now we, as a denomination, believe that the Bible is inspired by the third person in the Trinity, and that is the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit revealed the deep things of God to the writers of the Bible. Now, God used human authors to write the Word of God. These men were holy men who, according to 2 Peter 1.21, spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, which that verse 20-21 through 21 of 1 Peter says, Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke from God. Again, that came out of the New Living Translation. So these men, they wrote in their own languages. They used vocabulary that were characteristic of themselves and their personalities. But the message, it's straight from God. The phrase, the Lord says, or its equivalent, is said in the Old Testament about 3,800 times. That's a lot, guys. So God commanded the scripture writers to the message, and he, as in the Holy Spirit, revealed it to him. Now, Jesus and the apostles in the New Testament recognized the Old Testament as fully inspired and observed it in their teaching. Now, the fact God decided to send his revelation of the Bible to man, it's just right in tune with the nature of God. God is personal. He's intelligent, he's loving, and he wants to have a personal relationship with each of his children. So it makes so much sense that he would send his word via his children. And I love it. I mean, we 
who were made after his own image, he sent us the revelation of his word for us to write down and to form God's protected word. And then God used us to protect that word from loss, alterations, through passing it down orally until it was actually written. Now, the nature of the scripture is supportive of this doctrine. The, the Bible tells us that this doctrine is correct. I mean, it, it says it a lot of times. Now, the Bible is one book, but in another way, it's 66 books. And these books were written by more than 40 different authors and span more than 1,500 years. But despite all the diversity of authorship and the span of time, there's great unity in the Bible. The unity of the doctrine is a huge one. And it's the doctrine of God, the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of man, the doctrine of eternal destiny. Such unity under these circumstances, it it has to point to God at work as the divine source of authorship and revelation. One of the biggest forms of unity throughout the whole Bible is its moral stance on sin. The Bible denounces all human merit in relation to salvation. Bible makes faith the only instrument of salvation. There's so many times the Bible says we are saved by faith. And that's the only way to salvation. When we believe and understand that the Bible is the actual verbal word of God written on paper, brought to us by his workers, I think our biblical study becomes way more important and takes on a higher precedent in our life. At least it should. The Bible has to be regarded as the only infallible rule of faith and practice. The only one. Because the Bible is the only inspired word of God. Other books that may be supplemental or study material, they're good. But they're not the verbal inspiration of God. The only verbal inspiration of God, the actual words of God written down on a book is the Bible. Old and New Testament together, they work in tandem to make one cohesive book. 66 amazing books into one cohesive unit. That's unity right there. Again, spanning over a thousand years So many authors and all of their personalities reflected, but all the revelation comes straight from God. That's our first declaration of faith, the verbal inspiration of the Bible. I can tell you, at least for me, it makes it all the more exciting to read this book knowing that that's God's words given to me, given to us by God's children. Because it would have been an awesome miracle, right? It feels like the new, the Ten Commandments where, where God just sent them from heaven. Maybe they were on a stone tablet like the Ten Commandments and God could have just, boom, thundered them from heaven and it was all literally done by him. And that's great and that would be cool. But it's even more of a miracle when the Holy Spirit inspires us and gives us the words to write. And it's just the nature of God reflected in that act in and of itself that that God wants to use us for his purpose. That's how much he loves us. He loves us enough to literally write his whole word, the Bible, instead of him himself. And that's what's amazing about us today in our walk with God. God trusts us that much to be his hands and feet, just like he trusted his, his workers 
to be his writing hands. <laughs> so that's the first declaration. I, I hope this has been informative. I hope I didn't breeze through anything too fast. I just really, I wanted to have a chance for us to break down our 14 declarations of faith, what we believe as a denomination, and subsequently what we believe as a church. So I hope you guys have a great week, and I hope you're looking forward to next week for our second Declaration of Faith. We'll see you then. It's been such a treat to be able to start this series. Like I said, we're going through all 14 of the Church of God Declarations of Faith. So today we went through number one, which was the verbal inspiration of the Bible. Now next week, be looking forward to it because we're going through Declaration 2, which is how we believe in one God eternally existing in three persons, namely the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. So next week's going to be all about the Trinity. And thank you for being with us today.